Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Oh, please, please. Oh, oh. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I wanted to mention something to you. Well, first of all, we're going to be hearing uh, in a little bit from the Dave Fall Band. They're they're really yeah. good. Each of these groups we've heard from each week are ones better than the next. They're very good. And I'm going to prod you a little bit to talk about in a few minutes the some of the work you've been doing for the Ohio Democratic Party, traveling around the state of Ohio. And one of the and I'm the entourage yeah. of one, so I'm hearing you do this and, and I've heard you give a talk that I think is pretty cool and I'm gonna ask you to do it in a minute. But I wanted to mention something. Uh, you know my wife, you've met my wife. Yes, your, and your first wife. My Bonnie. first wife Bonnie and uh I, I've been concerned about her. I wanted to well, mention this She's year. your only wife. No, well, my I'm only right. wife. I say yeah. first wife because most people I know have been married two and three and four times. Well, yeah, so well, yeah, I'm yeah. proud that I did one time. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to tell you something. I think she has a hearing problem. And I went to my doctor to discuss that with him. And he gave me this advice about going home standing off 15 feet, ask her a question, keep progressively moving up, and then you can determine the degree of the hearing problem based on how far you weigh you, she can ultimately hear you. So I went home and I said, what's for dinner? And I didn't hear, she didn't say anything. I moved up a few more feet and I said, same voice, what's for dinner? Still no answer. I moved up another time, asked again, no response. Now, I'm Jerry, I'm right behind her. Yes. And I said, what's for dinner? And she said, for the fourth time, vegetable <laughs> stew. N- not bad. Not okay. bad. The buildup wasn't that long. <laughs> we've been working. You know, we've been working on it. Because I was going to suggest she get a hearing aid. In fact, there was a guy in... I'm sorry I'm a little bit late today, but there was a guy standing right outside, and he had a, an older gentleman with a hearing aid, and he's telling me this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. And I said, what kind is it? He said, 4 o'clock. <laughs> hmm. Hey, you know... I do my due diligence. I do a lot of research, particularly music research. Yeah. I'm uh, working with Casey Campbell, who's helping me learn how to become a musicologist. Yes. I found, I went into the archives. I went into the music archives. I yeah. didn't go to Washington, D.C. The Ludlow City bus doesn't go that far. Yeah. I only go as far as the Ludlow City bus can take me. But I did some research, and <laughs> I found out that some years ago... Yeah. Uh, this song was recorded. What song are you talking Now, hang on. You're going to hear this, and I want, yeah, as we say in the radio business, on the other side, yeah. I want to ask you some questions. But you are going to be amazed at this. Oh, that's right. back in 33 when the railroad man was king. Depression bound, folks <laughs> came to town. Just let it play for just a second. There was depots by the dozen in the cities large and small. But God knows Union Terminal was the grandest of them all. Save the Union Terminal from the wrecking wall and chain. All right. Okay, we can stop this. Can you explain that? Okay, Gene's making fun. 
Uh, Imagine that. (laughs) With a song like that, how could you make fun? Okay, that was me. It was (laughs) pre-puberty. And uh, it was a, it was a long time ago, and what was great is because you know we have a, a live audience here, and when when the song started, you didn't know it was me because you were all just sitting there going, "Oh, what's this? What's this?" Yeah, yeah um, I was on city council at the time. This was back, I think it was in 1972, and uh, we have for those not from the Cincinnati area, the tri-state area. We have Union Terminal, which is one of the grand old train stations. I mean, it is, you know, it's one of the most beautiful. A lot of um, the artwork was a WPA artwork. Yeah. It's Art murals. Deco, beautiful the murals. murals. Oh, yeah, see, it's always a good idea to, to turn, turn your, your phone, phone off, off when it. I'm telling you. Hello. Yeah, that was Gene's Megan. Phone. Wait. It's Megan. Megan, can you call on David Pruce's line? Where is she? She's supposed to be here. We're doing the All show. Right. All right, I'll see you, Megan. Hey, hold that story for just one second. We're going to bring you back to Save Union Terminal. It, I, I got to tell you, before she calls, that's Megan Hills, who is our geez, third member of our team. And I was wondering why we started the show. We love her. Megan. But boy, I got to tell you, I came in here totally relaxed because here's something people yeah. don't know about Megan. Yeah, that's true. They see Megan over here kind of introducing everything and directing traffic, and she's got a great laugh, and she's got great comments, involvement in our conversations. But the fact of the matter is, when every podcast ends, you and I would like to go out to dinner somewhere. Well, we can't go to dinner right after the show. No, because Megan here, she, she can't hear what I'm saying, can she? No, she's not, not even on the line yet. But yeah, okay. she, so she takes us out and she gives us notes. She came from theater. Yeah. So we she sit for a half notes. hour. She's giving us a critique on the show we just did. Right. Being scolded like we're little children. Right, right. And you would think that she would be more, because we're yeah. much older, but she's like uh, the mom of oh, the show. Yeah. Is, Meg, is Megan on the phone? She's on the line. She can't hear any okay. of that because she we don't have the that. technology that will allow okay. for that. She's on. Hi, Megan. We miss you. We miss you, Megan. Hi, guys. How are you? How's it going up there tonight? Fine. Now, you're off because you, you got your, your day job, your big girl job, is you're an HR manager. She's on Tinder. She's, she's, now, she got, shut she up, got Jerry. A date. She doesn't use Tinder. You she, got a date. She and uses Christian date. Mingle. She does not use Tinder. She's strictly thank Christian Mingle. Thank you for Mingle. that. Yeah, thank you, Jane. Yes, Christian and Mingle, uh, that is correct. You're However, out. I am actually at work tonight. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. You're firing oh, people, you're aren't you? Your, your company sent you off to fire a bunch of people? Is that what you're doing? No, we're actually... Actually hiring people. It's a meet and greet. <laughs> oh well. Yes. After, well, after this podcast, why don't you hire yourself? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so yeah. what I'm calling about is to see <laughs> where just, we are with you two. How's it going there? Oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. We are. We're doing exactly what she gave us. I'm going to hold up. For that. She gives us this whole mm-hmm. list of things we're that supposed do's to talk and about. don'ts and things we're to talk about. And we're okay, going. Jerry, down. Jerry's paying attention to this list too. For real. He is paying attention, and we're on the second item, and uh, I promise, uh, well, we'll give you a, an, an edited version of this, and then we'll do the notes that you usually do with us after the show, etc. Are you going to call us after the show and, and critique it? Oh, you know that I will. I have many. Oh. I, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have a we'll Take have a the night off, for Megan. Sure. Right. I care, you know what? I just I like the continuity. I think consistency is important. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I can't hear uh, my hearing yeah. aid. Yeah, his hearing aid doesn't work very well. Oh, for the love. Hey, thanks, <laughs> Megan. Thank hey, you for guys, checking you in. Hey, guys, take care, and, and seriously, just We'll see you next watch. Tuesday. We don't need any, yeah, yeah, you will. All we right. don't need any phone calls, lawsuits. Keep it, keep it clean. We will. 
All right. Yeah. See you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Save Union Terminal. So okay. how did that come about? Well, uh, we have, as I was saying, this great terminal. But, of course, in the early 70s, people weren't using trains. And it used to be, for example, during World War II, the soldiers would, you know, would come through uh, from the tri-state area. That's how they would leave, you know, to go off to war. When they came back, everyone would, you know, people weren't gathering at airports then, obviously. So the train station was like the center. And I'm telling you, if you're ever visiting in the Cincinnati area, uh, you, you have to go to Union Terminal. It is just, I mean, now it's a bunch of museums, but there's enough of the history there that you're suddenly back in the 1930s, 1940s. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, but they were going to tear the terminal down because it had no use anymore. People weren't using the trains. This was before Amtrak kind of stepped in for a bit. So I was on city council, and one of the reporters from the uh, Cincinnati Post at the time, it was one of the two city papers, uh, came and had written a song called Save the Terminal. And I had been, you know, I was this young kid, and I had been playing the guitar up in Mount Adams trying to pick up girls. And uh, and uh, so he said, why don't you, for, on city council, he says, here's a song, why don't you record it? And the proceeds from the sales of the record, because back then that we had little 45s, the, the proceeds from the sale of the 45 would go to Save the Terminal. We sold enough records to s save one doorknob. Yeah. <laughs> but when I hear that song, and obviously I haven't, I think one of the local radio stations, SAI, I think it was the pick hit of the week for one week. Really? It was the pick hit. No one picked it. I mean, the station picked it, but no one bought it. And, uh, but when I hear that now, how is it possible my voice could have been that? Yeah, you sound like a 12-year-old a, a uh, tenor, I guess, in a boys' choir or something. Or or you sound like a 25-year-old girl. But it, 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 yeah. Well, it's time for me to fess up. Yeah, and there's another Jerry Springer show, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you, you know, and I'm proud I used to be a woman. Um, yeah. Well, I think, it, I think yeah. it's... Uh, I, I think it's a cool song, and I oh, congratulate you for doing that. I wanted to ask you something. Uh, hey, uh, and people may not know this side of what you do, but you are uh, very involved in politics, and uh, you have in recent years thought more than once about running for statewide office in the state of Ohio because you have a history in Ohio. You lived here from, what, 1969-ish? Yeah, to and about 96. Yeah, so a lot of years. And I know that you're a huge giver to the uh, Democratic Party in Ohio and some of the local parties as well. So you've been asked and you have been delivering by going around the state and giving talks. And tell a little bit first about what you're doing and why you yeah. do it. Yeah, I lived here for almost 30 years and, you know, it's been my heart and soul. This is where I met my wife. This is where our child was born. You know, I mean, this Cincinnati's been great to me. And I had wonderful careers here from 10 years in politics and 10 years on the news. Anyway, politics is my passion. I make my living in show business, but the thing I really care about are political issues. That's what's in my blood. So I have said to the, over the years, even though I don't run for office anymore, I've said to the party, even though I no longer live in Ohio, I'm certainly willing to help, and yeah, I make contributions. And then I, for this season, uh, for October, I gave them six days where you and I would travel around the state of Ohio and 
you know, help raise money and give speeches, uh, help organize, etc. So talk we, a little bit about the podcast as well. Yes. And we're talking about the podcast and getting the because you're going to hear in a moment, I give a political message in each one. In fact, I saw you talk at multiple college campuses. I'll name them. Bowling Green University, Miami University, uh, Dayton. Dayton University of Dayton. You spoke at two rural county dinners where in both cases they were surprised that you walked in and they couldn't believe it. And I saw you give talks at what are called blue cocktail parties, how Democratic Party is structuring parties in really cool venues for their base supporters. And I, I mean, you were giving talks in front of uh, sometimes 50, 60, 70 uh, people at these events. It was very cool to see. It, it, it was fun to do. Uh, you know, we love doing that. Uh, but that's by way of uh, introduction to the point I want to make today. And what the point I was making to them is, you know, political parties are always organizing. And I know everyone here, you get calls, you get robocalls, you know, help, you know, send some money. Or could you show up and stand at the polls or help get the vote out or we're going to have a rally? All this organizational stuff, which is critical because, you know, you can have all the views you want. But if you don't show up on Election Day or cast your vote early or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be heard and, you know, bad guys win. But the part that we keep forgetting, and it, it, it's more and more evident, as because I'm always around young people because of the show I do. It's, you know, all young people. So I kind of see their lack of interest in what's going on. And if I tell them I'm going to a political meeting, they're always asking me why, and or why, why are you a Democrat? And that struck me as a great question. Why, mom, dad, why, why are you a Democrat? What does that mean? Could we really answer it? Or because, you know, politics can't be like sports. It can't be like you root for the home team or you root for, you know, you root for the same team that your parents rooted for. This is different because this has to do with what our value system is. And there is a significant difference in this country between what we generally term Republicans and what we generally term Democrats. There are exceptions, but generally there's a clear difference. And I will tell you that the Republican Party basically is there to represent the interests of wealthy people. Now, and the Democratic Party is there to represent the interests of middle and lower income people. It is not a coincidence that every wealthy suburb you go into in America, the wealthier the suburb, the more it votes Republican. And you go into an inner city and it votes 95% Democrat. It's not a coincidence. And the reason for that is, is that the Republican Party represents wealthy people. And they can't win elections if they only represent wealthy people because they're not enough wealthy people to win an election. Most people aren't wealthy. So they add to their numbers by saying, oh, by the way, we're with you on the cultural issues. We're anti-gay, you know. Uh, we're, we got to go slow on this women's rights. So what you get is they promise middle and lower income people, I will be with you on some of these social issues. You join us. And of course, the come on is they vote for them then. And then once they're in office, they don't do anything about those social issues. They just get past the legislation that gives people like me tax breaks. 
The laws that are passed are passed to benefit wealthy people, wealthy businesses. And whenever it comes time to do something for middle and low income people, you will always hear the speech from them. It's time to cut back. We have to tighten the belt. We can't just keep spending. We just keep spending. Do you ever notice that the person that gives this political speech about cutting back is never the person that has to cut back himself or herself? If you're rich, you don't need government services very much, and that is why you vote against all government programs. If you're rich, you can afford your own home. You can afford your own doctor, your own transportation, your own recreation. You don't need it. But as soon as you start to get into the middle income area, all of a sudden you do need the government. Maybe you need the public schools. And maybe at a little less money, you suddenly need public transportation. And less money, you suddenly need public housing. And less money, you need public food stamps. You see? So whenever we cut back government, when you hear this Tea Party talk and all that stuff, please be aware that when you cut government services, it is never done equally. Even if they say we'll cut every program equally. Because virtually all programs are for middle and lower income people. The only thing that is for wealthy people are the tax laws, which give benefits to wealthy people so they can keep their money. Now, Democrats, we have a very basic philosophy, and it, I'm not sure it's been articulated this way, but if I had to describe to a 10-year-old why I always vote Democrat, I always think of before you ever vote on anything, think of what your mother told you when you were in the third grade. That is always the great barometer because your mom told you to share your toys with Johnny. Your mom told you not to be a bully. Your mom told you if someone needs help, why don't you help your friend? Why don't you, you know, let's share. All the good instinctive things we do as human beings is what we learned as a young child. And so... If you're going to be a good, decent person, why would you ever say other people shouldn't have health insurance? Why would you ever say that we shouldn't have early childhood education so kids can grow up and better their lives, better themselves because they have a good education? Why would you ever not support programs like food stamps? Why would you not support a program that raises minimum wage? Do you think it's nice that people have can have a job and still not be able to support their families because the minimum wage is so low? You see, it sounds trivial, but really it is the greatest barometer, the greatest measure of what to do with your vote. What is the nice thing to do? Be a good, decent person. I could take the most conservative Republican out there, a real rich, rich guy living in a beautiful home, and next door happens to be someone's living who they aren't so wealthy. Uh, they ran into bad times. They got laid off, and all of a sudden, they don't have much money. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. The rich guy's asleep with his wife. Up, The whole family's at home. There's a banging on the front door. The wife says, oh, my gosh, someone's banging. Honey, go down to see what's going on. So he ambles down the staircase. He opens the door, and standing there in the doorstep is the next-door neighbor, 
a gentleman holding his six-month-old baby, and he's crying because his baby's having, he says, my baby's having trouble breathing. I can't start my car. I got to get to the hospital. Could you, could, you, could you drive me to the hospital? Could you quick take me, please, my baby, my baby? That rich, right-wing, conservative guy, you know very well, he would not say, well, you know what? If you had worked harder in life, you'd be able to have a job that could afford a better car. So, of course, he wouldn't say that. Because we all know that instinctively, deep down, we're all really pretty nice, good people. We do the right thing. We want to do the right thing. We want to be nice to people. You know, unless you're Charles Manson, that's what your reaction would be. And yet, this right-wing Republican guy who would act absolutely appropriately and nice and decent and be as giving as possible, what happens to him between that moment and then when he gets to the voting booth and he has no trouble voting against early childhood education or voting not to have taxes to pay for someone else's health insurance. I mean, he can be just an ogre then once he's in the voting booth. It's our politics. We do the right, decent thing. No one should run for political office unless they absolutely are committed to the notion that every single American should have health insurance and be able to get medical care. Do you think middle and low income people don't love their children as much as rich people do? I mean, under what moral ethic is it okay not to support health insurance? You know, when you're a conservative, you, you always have to come up with an excuse for why you didn't do the good, decent thing. There's always a but. There's always, well, I'd like to help, but. You know, if they would study harder, they would have done better. There's always an excuse. When you're a liberal, you never have to give an excuse. You're always trying to do the right thing. The only mistakes we make are sometimes in the administration of it, but our heart's always in the right place. The good news is, as I often say, liberals always win. In the end, we win. In the end, on all these issues you worry about, in the end, we're going to win, because in history, we've always won. Conservatives fought to keep slavery. Liberals fought against it. We did away with slavery. Conservatives fought against uh, integration. Liberals won. Conservatives fought against Social Security. Liberals won. Conservatives fought against Medicaid and Medicare. Liberals won. It's mainstream America now. We're proud of it. You would never go to a senior citizen and say, we're taking away your Social Security. No. But in the beginning, the conservatives fought against it. They fought against women's rights. They fought against gay rights. They fought against uh, civil rights. They fight against trying to clean up the environment. It's unbelievable. So feel good. In the end, we're going to win. But always remember why we are liberals, why we are Democrats, because it's what our moms told us. It's the good, decent thing to do. And start that way. Later on, we can figure out all the details of how it's going to work. All right. Thank you, Jerry. Hey, by the way, it, it should be said that David Pepper, who is a relatively new chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, and, and when we were out traveling around the state the last two weeks, we witnessed this. He's doing a great job really of is. restructuring the Ohio Democratic Party, who got its butt kicked in the last uh, last November. Yeah. 
And he's restructuring it in such a way that he's basically trying to create a machine that's perennial, a machine that's there in 16 when there's a high turnout for the presidential, but then doesn't fall off so far in the follow-up elections, elections where you're electing mayors and statewide office holders like governor, lieutenant governor, et cetera. It starts starts local. local. You're absolutely right. And, of course, the 16 presidential election is everything. Yeah. And the reason it's everything is because the Congress, because of the way the district lines are drawn, the Congress will probably stay Republican, will probably stay Tea Party right wing. So if you don't have a Democratic president, this horrible agenda of theirs will suddenly become the law of the land because there won't be any president to veto it. President Obama can stop them from carrying out their negative agenda. But what happens, I mean, you whatever issue you're concerned about, forget it, gone, if there's a Republican president. Even if the Republican president is a good guy or a good woman, they're still not going to have the power. That person won't have the power to really stop their own party. So the 16 presidential election is everything. I was just coming in before, and this guy comes up behind me, and he, he put his hands in my pocket, and I turned around. You serious? Said, yeah, and I said, what are you doing? He says, I need some change. I said, why didn't you ask me? He says, I don't talk to strangers. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, my, hey, Jerry. My psychiatrist we, told me I'm crazy. I said, I want a second opinion. He says, okay, you're ugly too. Hey, we have the David Fall band. I'm not going to ask these yes. guys if they'll come in and uh, set up. Uh, and this, this is, uh, like I said earlier, another really cool band. Do we have those guys uh, ready? Yeah, they're coming in now. And let me introduce them as they're setting up. We've got David Fall plays guitar and does vocals, and Ben Knight plays guitar and does some harmony, and then John Dahl, who does the upright bass. And uh, we're going to ask the Dave Fall band if they'll do a song for us, and then we want to talk with them a little bit about uh, their music and the inspiration for songs, where they're playing, etc. So, and we I- should say, if this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, every single podcast we have bands such as this, groups such as this that play. It's called Roots Music now, as it was explained to me by my generation. We called it folk or bluegrass. It's the people's music. Honestly, the quality of the musicians that we've had for the first 20 weeks that we've been doing this, it's, it's, been, it's been incredible, and I've been blown away by it. And so this is, if you like this kind of music, this is what this podcast will give you every week. All right, now the Day Fall Band.
How will it end when I grow old? How come people can be bought and sold? Why does night bring such unrest? Who these demons sleeping on my chest? What will become of my father's name? How can love be such a childish game? And that's the Dave Fall Band. By the way, their music can be heard at davidfallmusic.com. And t- hey, tell us, Dave, did you write that song? Yes, I did. Tell us a little bit about where it came from. Oh, uh, just kind of a dark place. Yep. <laughs> that's, where, uh, that's where the best ones come from. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was about a year ago. 
Oh, just oh it's recent. It was just recent. Yeah. I wrote that song about a year ago. Just oh, wow. In a tough spot and yeah. questioning things down. What's it all about? Yeah. Where am I headed? And it just kind of kind of happened. I'm, it's a good one. Thank you. When you, you, you get down and you start, are you putting the words in first? Or are you you're just in there strumming? And, and I always... Does, what's the yeah. process? For me... Uh, I always come up with uh, some type of, I, I came up with that instrumental part, and, and I had that I going see. for two weeks, and I knew that was a song, then I knew, I, now I just got to put the words on top of it. Oh, All my go. song is pretty much, yeah. a lot of guys are different, but for me, I yeah. always work out a nice musical arrangement, and then I just play it over and over again, and wait for the words oh, to come. it's a great song. I mean, Thank it's you. not Save the Union Terminal, but it was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave, it, What's your Save latest album? Union Terminal. Yeah. Right. What's your latest? The uh, latest record? album is called Live at Red Barn Radio, and it's recorded with uh, John Dahl and Benjamin Knight. Nice. Could you do us another song? That sea till I found you just waiting on me. There was action on the scene in time to pay dues. Man, I know what that means. But you, you always hit me when I'm wasted.
rise up It's calling me You gotta lift up out of desperation Get up off them knees It's you You always hit me when I'm wasted You Threw a punch and then I tasted My blood drawn From your self-hatred And I faded away. That's a great job, guys. Hey, you know, um, do you guys know about a place in Columbus called the Rambling House? You guys heard of that? No. We were up there, and yeah. Jerry earlier was talking about traveling around Ohio, and it wasn't a coffee shop. They were selling ginger beer and whiskey, making some drink, and, and they're doing alcohol. But Springer said to me, talking to the owners, you got to talk to these people because they're doing folk and bluegrass there. And sure enough, they start talking about Maria Corelli and the Mama Drones. And Maria is a barista here. And Casey Campbell, who's our music coordinator at Price Hill Hustle, and they had had heard them. And the thing is, this music has some places where it's happening. Yep. Yes. And that's one of them, and this is one of them. You want to get in touch with them because they'd Absolutely. love to hear your yeah. music, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That, that may be, I don't know if it's the place, but it's certainly one of the places in Columbus, Ohio, where they kind of get this music. The other day I was here, and Maria Corelli of the Mama Drones, J.D. Wilkes, uh, Jake Book were mm -hmm. just jamming here. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what these places do. You guys know this place well, right? right? The Folk School Coffee Parlor is a place that's just been around for about a year, but it's really digging in. It's going to be an important place in this culture, I, I think. You guys agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, let's hear it for the Folk School yeah. Coffee Parlor. And, the, and if they become really famous, I would like and hope they would say that I had a lot to do with it, that Gene Galvin had a lot to do with it. Hey, do you guys uh, know Yeah, the but old... the microphone I'm talking in is the one that will sell for the higher price. I think it probably will on eBay. Hey, by the way, I got to tell this audience. Oh, Gene Galvin smoking that one? Yeah. Yeah, right. I, well, there was a reason why a few years back, actually it's when we were doing radio together, and we looked up on eBay that song, Save Union Terminal by Jerry Springer. It was on eBay then, and I believe, would somebody on their smartphone look up, go to eBay oh, and see Oh, don't do that. Because I, I want mean, to tell absurd. you. absurd. 
It was selling on eBay. Thank uh, you, we don't need friend. to know the price. It was selling on eBay at the time for like 17 cents oh, a copy. No, that's the truth. Yeah, but that's when sometimes seven, we got to tell the truth here. Yes, Gary. but se- that's when 17 cents was a lot of money. Yeah. Jerry Springer. Oh, yeah, Brent's you don't need to look it up on eBay. See, this is just... Oh, he's going to get it. This he's is humiliating. While he's looking that up, you guys know the song, Irene Goodnight? Sure. Would you mind doing it and watch Jerry Springer of the Jerry Springer Show? We'll jump in on maybe verse two or three, you know, somewhere in there. All right. Oh, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you think you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just... Uh, uh, well, when it comes to the uh, time, I'll... Yeah. All right, second verse. Right. I'm tired of carrying you guys. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a B side to that uh, single. And what oh, is that B side, David Bruce? There's a B side to that single. What what was it? What is it? It's called "Old Photos Won't Do." Oh. Wait a second. Hold hold faded hold photos. hold. No, have you got photos. it there? Faded, faded photos. photos. You have it. Do you have it? Oh. Okay. No. The Dave Fall Band's no. gonna hold one second. We're gonna hear no. faded yeah. photos. It's going to be unbelievable. Oh. Well, little boys with dreams. I just had an operation. (laughs) Yeah. Would sit upon the train and see. Once used to stand in awestruck wonder. While down below, they felt thunder. Of a million tons of steel and track. Stillness hangs so heavily. Well, not so good. I mean, you know. <laughs> history. It's the vibrato. <laughs> All right, that's faded Enough photos. Of that. faded, faded photos. photos. Be sure to get yeah. it. Yeah. At 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 record go. stores everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do they still have record stores? Or am I, I don't showing know. my age? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, you can All get right, it here on we go. The day fall okay. band with go. Good Night Irene. Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Good night, Irene. Good night, Irene. I'll see you in my dreams. Sometimes I'll live. Country, and sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take a great notion to jump in the river and drown.
back now. Yeah. Thank you so much.